0: This
1: is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub.
2: I love it. It's brilliant.
3: Did any of you see Cam Newton on James Corden last night? I really felt like...
1: and we have begun the madness Josh the madness surrounds you first round action midwest region auburn coming out of the sec 51 to 45 leading the 12 seed new mexico state 11 50 to go in the second half back to you Josh
3: there's three games going on right now i've got one on my laptop one on our desktop here in the studio one on, on our on our television inside the law office this is a Timothy D. Wellborn Studios. It's a big day for March Madness. I've already lost a Sweet 16 team. I picked Yale to upset LSU for some reason and to, win, to uh, win another game. There's an ACC team that's already out of the mix. Louisville losing to a Patino to start things off. But I seriously want to talk about Cam Newton on James Corden. Because we've discussed this before with Cam. He is one of the most personable NFL players. One of the most interesting personalities you're going to find at that position in that sport. Yet, he does very little in the way of sports radio interviews. He does very little ESPN television interviews. You really don't see him quoted that often in the offseason season in newspapers either, yet you see him time to time appear on non-sports-related programming, hosting a Nickelodeon show, appearing on James Corden, and now creating his own platform on YouTube. He's released already three episodes, and it feels like that's what he was on Corden to promote. I see Cam Newton's future beyond football being on television, just in a non-sports capacity. I think he could be an excellent non-sports television host. He's excellent on camera, and he does seem more interested in the entertainment realm than sports. What do you think the best format would be for him, though? Would he be better hosting a game show? Because he also was on one of those game shows last year. What was it? $100,000 Pyramid? He was on one of those shows a year ago, which led to some internet memes, some fantastic videos. It was fantastic to follow on Reddit. Game show, talk show, Michael Strahan sitting there in the morning smiling at you for two hours with Robin Roberts. Sitting next to Kelly Ripa. What is it for Cam? Because I don't think it's going to be sit in a booth and be Tony Romo. I don't think it's going to be him trying to be Teddy Bruschke. I don't know why that's the first analyst that came to mind for me. Him sitting in a television studio breaking down the sport. I don't feel like that's what Cam has an interest in. But let's just go to some of the clips. Here he was talking about his post-game regiment and a tradition that he had winning, doing something after he wins home games. There's a specific place he would visit that specific place is McDonald's. But if you're wondering what he gets at McDonald's, Cam answered that for us.
1: Up until <laughs> last month, yeah, I would reward myself with filet fish. Of course, I love filet fish from McDonald's. Who doesn't? Really? Yeah. I
3: mean, straight up. Yeah.
1: After after wins, I don't know. after wins, after, after filet, wins, wins after wins. Oh, after, oh, after wins. wins, wins. So you win, win, two, two filet fish, extra pickles, wow. large fry. Lars Filet of fish. He was a pescatarian before vegetarian, wasn't he?
3: That's correct.
1: Although I'm not, the uh, jury's still out on if that's exactly fish in the.
3: Uh, <laughs> it's a good point. Here's what we know about Cam's regiment at home after he wins games he jams to Beyonce in the locker room. That's the first song that's played. It's always irreplaceable by Beyonce, not single ladies for those who are wondering. A little bit of LMI. He's dancing around the locker room, half naked, sometimes even fully nude, having a lot of fun after winning games. Then, apparently, he will hit a McDonald's and have a filet of fish. I don't remember the last time I went to McDonald's, but do you have a go-to order? You're going through the drive-thru. What is irresistible in the mind of Desmond Johnson?
1: Uh, Double quarter pounder combo, no pickles, no onions, Yeah, no supersize. I can't do the burgers. Uh, you know, I, honestly, ever since they changed the, they changed what they were, they don't taste the same anymore. I had one maybe two weeks ago, and I, honestly, I don't really go to McDonald's that much anymore. I'll
3: tell you what draws me in. It's always when I'm on a long road trip, and that's just the only place I see on the horizon at the right point I'm hungry. The golden arches. The golden arches. <laughs> I'm in the drive-thru line, and I look at the menu. I know I don't want the burger, so I stay away from that. I don't think I want anything that resembles fish at McDonald's. That's why I don't understand how James Corden can say so confidently, "Who doesn't? Who doesn't love a fillet of fish?" I've never at God, McDonald's. I've never had <laughs> I don't know how you could speak that defiantly about it, that definitively about a fillet of fish. The thing that always seems to attract my attention is the McNuggets. So I see the McNuggets. I'm like, okay, I could just do a handful of those. Those are great when you're driving down the road. It's perfect. Uh-huh. You could just dunk them. What is the perfect thing to get on the road just in terms of convenience? Convenience and eating in the car.
1: That's pretty good. I mean, because you can hard to get over, better than McNuggets, but them.
3: here's where they get you. You can buy, I think, the McNuggets for maybe just a couple of bucks, but then for like one buck more, you can double it. It will go from 10 McNuggets to 20. And I don't know about you if you've ever done this before. I have on a handful of occasions. There's no feeling worse than when you finish 20 McNuggets by yourself. In one sitting, you just polish off 20 of those. Sweet and sour sauce, barbecue, maybe a little bit of ranch. There's no worse feeling than the end of that. But can you top me in convenience McNuggets on the road? I uh, I
1: assume my uh, my wife, the beautiful Jennifer, is listening because we were in the middle of a text conversation and then all of a sudden she jumped in with fries and a milkshake. Ah. So, <laughs> so I assume that's... What.
3: That's easy. Fries are always easy. It's hard to beat the convenience of French fries and a milkshake slash drink. But if you're talking about an entree, I don't think you're getting three or four things of fries, are you? I've never done that meal.
1: I can't get full off of fries. No question. What about like the little... Uh... Remember how KFC used to have the? Well, they might still have them. The little chicken minis. They were little, little like almost chicken tenders and like a little roll, like little bite-sized chicken sandwiches.
3: I didn't think this is where we were going to begin the. Yeah. Day. Chris <laughs> Kroger will join us in about twenty minutes. Voice of the Charlotte Hornets, you will hear later on tonight as the Hornets face the Minnesota Timberwolves right here on the sports hub. Let's hear more from Cam Newton. He's proving his toughness, not just because he's fighting through a shoulder injury. He's giving up. McDonald's, Filet-O-Fish. He's becoming a vegan versus what he was before, a pescatarian, as you mentioned. He's also giving something else up for the month of March, we learned.
1: So we got, yeah, <laughs> vegan in February, and then March, I'm giving, uh, I hope this is an adult crowd, it looks like it is, no sure. climax. Woo! Oh. Shut the front door. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> no, no I'm going through a transition right now. Like, where, oh like my. Like God. I'm gone. I'm, I wanted it to be challenging. You know, I'm coming off of, of, of shoulder surgery. I'm looking for. A oh, training. I get it. Shoulder surgery. It's harder to. I, mean, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's harder to throw. No Wi Fi. No thigh, thigh. No. No, uh. Thigh, no thigh? Thigh, thigh, man. Oh, of course. Thigh, thigh. I like that.
3: Thigh, thigh. No, thigh, thigh. I've never heard anybody refer to that particular act as thigh-thigh. But I guess it off. when you're somebody who is as famous as Cam Newton is, who can make any, anything in the way of fashion look beautiful, he can wear a lampshade on his head, and it's going to be fashionable. It's going to look good because he has perfect cheekbones and a perfect million-megawatt smile. He's shredded. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. He can make anything look good. So if you're that guy, I'm sure you can refer to sex as thigh-thigh. <laughs> I don't think anybody, unless you're someone who has a lot of that, can refer to it as thigh-thigh. There's a lot of people who hear that who probably think, well, I give that up every single month. <laughs> oh,
4: gosh, No, 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 no. No,
3: <laughs> it just wasn't. No, no, it just wasn't my choice. <laughs> it's just, it's just what's happening here. Gosh, gosh thirty days. 30, so thirty days of his off season. This is his off season. You, we were having lunch today. You don't believe Cam Newton is going to follow through on this? No way. If he's made it this far, because it's I salute not him just. It's not just women. It's also you and your intimate moments too. You're giving away all of that. The Wi-Fi well. and the thigh-fi. He said, well, hmm, he was
1: very selective with his wording. He said no climax. Yes. does that mean? That's what I'm saying. No, no
3: Wi-Fi. No thigh-thigh, no. No no Desmond. So oh. it's, it's not just
4: women. <laughs> I got you now. Yeah. It's a lot harder.
3: There's no
1: way. If you that, catch my drift. Du- have
3: you seen the Seinfeld episode what's where they did the harder, bet? giving away, get, getting rid of burgers and meat or thigh-thigh? Thigh-thigh, easily. I could go... Couple weeks without a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> three three six seven 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 one six hundred on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. Three screens on in here, and our Twitter feed open, where I'm already seeing some of you get in on here, talking about fileo fish.
1: Is it fish though? Really? I I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. I've never seen a fish look like that.
3: But then again, if you're one of the people who is asking what's in McDonald's food, it's likely McDonald's isn't for you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right? If, you, if that's you. We mentioned we're in the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn yesterday. Yesterday we were at Kickback Jacks. Appreciate the kind folks over there for hooking us up with hospitality and a great setup. The law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn specialize in workers' compensation Social Security, Disability, and Personal Injury, you can visit them online at timwellborn.com. You'll know when you need us. I don't think my bracket's busted yet. I just lost one of my Sweet 16 teams. I had Yale advancing. You
1: Yale in the Sweet 16? I did. Wow. It's going to be a long 48 hours I'm for biased.
3: <laughs> I'm biased towards what I've seen and I'm not going to pretend like I know every single player on all of these teams, but they have this guard, Oni who is fantastic, a tremendous player. And LSU doesn't have their coach right now. They have a lot going on in Baton Rouge. I'm not sure if you've noticed. They had a teammate who died at the start of the year. He was shot and killed, and they they've been carrying that all year long. They had a player who was suspended, and then right when he was – Uh, approved to play last week. He was cleared to play. They lose LSU to Florida in the SEC tournament, and their coach isn't on the sidelines because he's being investigated by the FBI, and he's going to war with the school. I felt like there was so much there that I can rely on Yale having a scoring guard to find a way to get through. But nobody knows anything this time of year, so that's where... We get upsets. That's where we get brackets busted. It's the beauty of this month. It's the beauty of March Madness. Coming up, the two worst people that you come across during March Madness. This is the Sports Hub. Listen up, everybody. There has been a lot of talk. This is the Sports
1: Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham.
3: We'll get back to the madness in a second. Later tonight, the Charlotte Hornets will be in action right here on the Sports Up. The Hornets are facing the Minnesota Timberwolves. And speaking of the Timberwolves, they have Tyus Jones on their roster. And I remember a few weeks ago, I was in the Duke locker room at Cameron, and Tyus Jones was standing right beyond Trey Jones's locker. Had a chance to catch up with him, and I, I simply asked him, how much is Zion Williamson and what Duke's doing, discussed in NBA locker rooms. And Ty said, just as much as it is by everybody else, just as often as you see it on Center, the guy is a star and he's talked about all the time in the NBA. And I don't remember the last guy where he was a national uh, lightning rod, even in NBA circles, when they were playing in college ball going into March Madness. Chris Kroger now with us as the voice of the Charlotte Hornets that you will hear later on tonight right here on the Sports Hub. Chris, how much have you noticed Zion Williamson discussed in NBA circles?
2: Yeah, I think it's a lot. You know, I'm not in the locker room a ton with our guys, but when I'm around them, you know, whether it's uh, you know, getting on or, or off the plane or riding a bus or just walking to and from practice, uh it's definitely uh, something that if I'm not talking about with them, they're talking about it amongst themselves at times. And uh, yeah, I think probably the last player to uh, transcend college basketball, which is a niche sport, I think we can all agree we love it in this part of the country, but nationally it's just not relevant uh, in the way that it is here. If you especially go to the Northeast and and uh, other parts of the country and out on the West Coast especially, um, I'd say Steph Curry, right? Steph, I think because of the way he played the game, It was so different, which is what Zion's doing. He's playing it above the rim. He's playing it in transition. I think it just grabs your attention because of his sheer size and athleticism. I think Steph garnered some of that same attention because how is a guy that looks like that doing the things he's doing on a basketball court? And he nearly got Davidson to a Final Four. I mean, they were a shot away from making a Final Four over Georgetown. So. Uh, I think Steph Curry, which was over a decade ago now, probably the last guy to to grab attention like this.
3: Right, and it's funny you bring up Steph Curry. I was just thinking about him earlier today because when I think individual runs through the NCAA tournament that stand out, it's Steph Curry's run and also Kimball Walker's. Kimball Walker with UConn, the five days in the Big East tournament, the shot against Pittsburgh, a step-back jumper, and then he goes on to win the national title. Where, where do you think, when you think runs through the tournament individually, are those the first two names that pop up in your head as somebody who's lived in this state and has followed what you mentioned to be a niche sport nationally but a big sport locally for a long time, you being in this state?
2: Yeah, I, I would say it's different, too, because Steph, if you remember, was just so good. I mean, game after game, he was putting up massive point totals. And uh, off the top of my head, I don't really remember him having a clunker of a game. It, it would always seem like it was... Twenty-five plus, thirty plus. There were a couple games. I think he went north of forty uh, during that run. Where with Kemba, uh, he had some big moments, but his were more shots. They were moments. They were hit. They were uh, big, big shots. You had to have. And obviously, it started with with the uh, defeat of Pitt, which really grabbed everybody's attention in the Big East tournament. They were the first team to go uh, five games in five days. Nobody had done it before that. And then uh, to go on and win six games to win a national championship. And so, yeah, they were done in different ways. But I, I think of UConn in so in such different ways because they had to do it. There was no other way that team was going to get into the tournament. It was funny. I was talking to Kemba and Jeremy Lamb uh, just a couple weeks ago about that. I said, do you guys think if you didn't win the Big East tournament, you would have gotten in? You were hanging around 500. Uh, you were under 500, I think, at Big East play. And they said, ah, I don't know. And I said, I'll answer it for you. The answer is no. And so I think when you think of it that way, kind of the will to win, you have to win. Uh, if you want to just put food on your table and get to the next game, I think that UConn run really stands out, and has and really carried that to the to the next level, too.
3: Listen to the Hornets tonight. Charlotte faces the Minnesota Timberwolves. Chris Kroger, the voice of the Hornets. With us! What's happening? Oh, yeah. Even in the interviews.
1: Do you feel the madness surrounding you, Josh? I feel it. Forty-five to forty-four. Florida State's in some trouble right now. Uh, they're down one to the Vermont Catamounts. Hundred dollars. Anyone who knows what a Catamount is. Eleven seventeen to go in the second half in the West Region. Back to you,
3: Josh. Isn't a Catamount? You could correct me it's if I'm wrong. Lion. Yeah, it's a mountain lion. The mountain Western lion. Carolina
2: Catamount. I yeah. was lying. I don't have a hundred dollars for you. Yeah. Bob Bobcat. You know, I think they're like colloquialisms. You can use them interchangeably. I think it's largely the same animal. <laughs>
3: Thank you for that important up, uh, important update, Dez. I appreciate that. The frustrating part, speaking of Zion and Kemba, the, the frustrating part of the Zion debate nationally when he was hurt was that everybody had an opinion about what he should do, with, and it seemed like they didn't really even consider what Zion has said on the topic before, talking about how he would never leave Duke in season. Now, as it relates to Kimba Walker... A lot of people were discussing what should happen with him this summer, even though he's never said anything, as far as I've followed, that leads me to believe he would ever leave Charlotte. What do you make of the way Kemba's future is being covered, Chris?
2: Yeah, we're g- we're going to find out in a few months, but I, I agree with you. You know, I- I've been able to build a uh, a good relationship with Kemba over the last few years, and uh, even before I stepped into this role, it's just been. Uh, able to, to amplify that a little further he's just uh he, he's wired different and, and and i don't pretend to know what he's thinking but when he's told me uh how he feels about not only uh our city uh but also our franchise it, it, it speaks to a guy that is just emotionally uh invested in a way that i, I just i can't see him doing anything else and, you know he, obviously the new york stuff always comes up and uh for obvious reasons a kid from new york but you know, he told me in his own words on our on our on our podcast uh, back in back in October that he just could never see himself putting on a Knicks uniform. For example, it's just not something you could ever see himself doing. So, I think you're right when you listen to Kemba in his own words. He's always been very matter of fact about how much he loves our city and our organization. And I think the thing that is really interesting about all that, Josh, is when when you think back to people talk about loyalty and sports and uh, who owes who what, and for Kemba. Uh, he he's, he said it actually works uh, the opposite way that many people would think because for him he feels indebted to our team for taking a chance on him not only one to draft him but two to keep him around you know he's gotten a second contract here which at the time I'm I'm now old enough which was not that long ago but I'm old enough to remember when people thought Kemba was overpaid the second time uh, he got a contract and that's surely proven to be one of the best values in the NBA and he said you know back three four five six years ago there weren't. Uh, there would have been a lot of teams that would have just given up on him, that would have either traded him or not offered him a second contract. But the Hornets always believed in him and saw the best in him and, and tried to uh, to allow him to grow, and that's exactly what he's done. So he feels indebted to an organization. Uh, so we'll find out what happens. But you're right. I think he's always spoken on the record that he loves Charlotte and he loves uh, playing for the Hornets, and he wants to do something that matters here uh, that's on a different scale than maybe winning a championship with – other all-NBA caliber players, but maybe he could get this team to an Eastern Conference Finals one time, and that would carry the weight of maybe a ring in a different city when you think of it that way.
3: Again, it's the Hornets, it's the Timberwolves, it's a 7 o'clock tip tonight, and Chris Kroger will be broadcasting the game. Before we let you go, did you fill out a bracket?
2: I did not. You know what's funny? I've been so busy this year for obvious reasons trying to keep my head above water uh being a rookie in the NBA and so uh my day to day is just really it's it's getting ready for basketball games. Uh it is trying to uh you know make sure that I'm I'm maintaining my relationship with my wife when I'm around. Smart. And so I've watched maybe a combined five games of college basketball this year. I've watched all the Carolina Duke games uh, which were just enthralling. Um, But other than that, I've just been able to catch highlights here and there. And so I thought maybe that's part of the fun. You don't really know anything, maybe more than I normally would. That could have been a good experiment to see if I could just blindly pick games. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to kick back and enjoy without any any skin on the game and uh, and watch. And so I've been able to do that a little bit earlier today. I was watching at home as I was getting ready uh, for tonight's game. But uh, yeah, it's the first time ever in my in my life, even as a kid, that I don't think I've ever filled out a bracket for the tournament before.
3: Well, we enjoyed being in your digs last week. We were doing the show Thursday and Friday from the ACC tournament inside the Spectrum Center. Uh, we have this Twitter poll out here. When your friend comes up to you. And they're telling you something. Which do you care to hear about least, Chris Kroger? Their fantasy team, their bracket, or their children?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. I say fantasy. I, You know, I, I think the bracket is somewhat interesting because, you know what, if somebody tells you they actually picked UMBC to knock off Virginia per se, like last season – I want to hear why you did that, okay? You might have just been guessing. Maybe you actually had a legitimate answer. So I'd be interested in hearing about that. Fantasy football, there's not a legitimate reason you could ever give me that I want to hear about your fantasy football team. And then children, uh, I guess it depends on what's being talked about, but at the end of the day, they're kids. And so, yeah, I take that. But fantasy football, definitely, that's the least interesting thing you could possibly come up to me and say, hey, let's talk about this.
3: Have a great call tonight, Krogs. It's good to hear from you.
2: All right, guys. We'll talk to you on the dial in a little bit.
3: You got it. That's Chris Kroger, the voice of the Hornets. Follow him on Twitter at Kroger.
4: I love talking and conversing with you. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the Sports Hub, at
1: AM 600, AM 920.
3: The legendary Bob Ryan will join us in a little less than 15 minutes. You can vote on a Twitter poll we have out there at Sports Up Triad. Which do you care to hear about least? Your friend's fantasy team, your friend's bracket, or your friend's children? Early returns on that poll, 41% fantasy team, and pretty close between friend's bracket and friend's children. Speaking of social media... This is really a segment I think needs imaging. It's something we need to do often as a way to shame the producer of this show, Desmond Johnson. It's a game we like to call Desmond getting into fights with people on his Facebook page. Now, Des, he he put up on his page his Final Four, and... Then went on, even though he has a sports radio show as a platform that he produces each and every day. And he's on the air for two hours on Saturday, too. He he feels the need to say, I'm not falling for that UNC versus Duke part four being great for America talk. Have to throw it in there. But then some guy, it's pretty innocent. He comments, you're picking against uh, somebody because, because you don't like them. They're way better than Michigan. Hold on. I'll take it from here. No, no, no. You're not going <laughs> to take it from here. you're leaving you're, out not, you're not going to take it from here because you are in the wrong here when you have a platform and you send a response that would qualify as a short novel responding with, no, I'm picking Michigan because they have the second ranked defense of the entire country. Duke is, ranked, Duke is ranked 340s in three point defense. Duke shoots less than 70% from the foul line, and Michigan has experience that Duke doesn't. They played in the Natty last year and returned basically everyone but Mo Wagner, who was on the Lakers bench. I could not root for Duke and still be unbiased. I cannot root for Duke and still be unbiased as to why any team will or will not make it. That's the trick in working in sports media. Why? What are you doing? Well, you fell like off that. the wagon again. Like, we, we discussed this before. When it comes to getting into fights on social media, nobody wins and you still are doing this. I said I wasn't now, pick fights. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Continuing to go, you respond with, screw Zion. Why are you leaving out the other side of this conversation? Because <laughs> I don't know this person. I know you. Screw what? Zion. He's one kid. He's not Thor. He shot 25% from three himself and he can't guard five. I don't know why you're hitting the bell. This is embarrassing for These you. These are all
1: facts. These are all facts.
3: What? That he's not Thor? Yes,
1: he is not. Is he Thor? Is he <laughs> Thor? Does he have a, a franchise of superhero movies and an axe <laughs> that can fly him through across the sky? No. He's one kid. He can't guard five people.
3: Des, you're missing the overall point. Is 15 hours of radio on the air? Plus two that you do on Saturday. Not enough of a platform for you to get your opinions out on sports. Why are you picking fights with people you call friends that you... Allow allowed to be your friends and to get close with you on Facebook. Okay. Why are you doing this? Okay,
1: I'm reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. I'm going to reclaim my time here. This is
3: my show.
1: <laughs> I'm going to reclaim my time.
3: Answer my simple question. Why?
1: For starters, the guy in question, we're not going to put him on blast over the radio and put out his name or whatever. The guy in question has been a Duke homer and a more particular, a Zion homer all season long. I, so he, now second, no, I did not pick this fight.
3: Stop telling me about the guy and answer my question. Why are you responding with novels on Facebook
1: to somebody? This is a long, ongoing back and forth between me and this particular because person. Because it
3: takes two people to make it a long, ongoing did you, thing. Did
1: you read at the bottom, though, where I stopped this? See, like, you did this whole thing trying to put me on let blast, me, and at the count. very end...
3: Okay. Let me look at your... Let me look. At, you're right. I, I didn't... I wasn't fair to you. Let me read how many times you've commented in this thread. Mm-hmm. One now, time. This all happened in a five-minute stretch. Two times, three times, four times. Five times, six times, seven times, mm-hmm. eight different comments, yeah, this is
1: back and forth, back in and back forth. In how many minutes? About oh, five, seven minutes.
3: That just seems so unproductive. How did it man. end?
1: How did it end? I didn't read that far. Maybe you should because you read the beginning. To read that no, 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 no. Because you you went through you went through the effort of trying to put me on blast with getting in arguments with people. Antituted. How did I end this? How did I end this thread? And it actually ended it too.
3: Dude, I'm not really in the mood. Or have the time for a back and forth on why you're on your knees for Zion. Jesus, Des, <laughs> Just sit back and
1: watch it unfold. Uh, of which ended the entire thing. So the point being, Desmond, I wasn't having an argument with a person.
3: Desmond! A person was trying to argue with me. You a radio platform and you're telling this guy... To stop acting like he's on his knees to pleasure Zion Williamson. Yeah, what did, are you doing? You had to
1: read some of the other stuff he's written about this dude. I don't over care the about
3: him. I'm looking at you. You're missing the context no, of the conversation. No, I don't care then. about the context. You have to understand. If, if, if this guy was sitting here and I knew this guy, I would say he's wrong too. I'm looking at you. That doesn't what the hell are you doing? Just because that guy's wrong doesn't mean you're allowed to be wrong too.
1: So someone comes onto a post that I posted, not to his page, a post I posted to my personal page yes, saying what I thought would be the Final Four. Correct. And someone basically comes at me and says, oh, well, you just didn't pick Duke because you don't like Duke.
3: Ignore it. I'm, I'm supposed to just ignore
1: it. Yes. That, see, no, Dude, I'm not going to I do get, that. I get
3: this every single day from clowns I, I don't know and people I do know. Just ignore it. You don't ignore
1: all of them. You yes. respond to some of them. Yes,
3: I did the same thing you did. I post who I have in the Final Four. People are saying you're wrong. People say that you hate Carolina. You know, I get all of that. You know what I care? How many rips I get, I give about what they say on social media? Zero. Why? Because I save my comments here for the air. I got fifteen hours here. You're, you're on a radio show, man. yeah. What it are
1: all, you doing? It, it
3: all goes hand in hand. They I had True TV coming at me last night. Did you see this? No.
1: <laughs> Maybe you should have responded to them.
3: I did respond to True TV. See? True TV.
1: Ah. Their that's...
3: Twitter page Wait, responded okay. to me last night. Now
1: I see what it is. So it's not about someone coming at you. It's about the level of the person coming at or entity coming at you that determines whether if, you respond. If the
3: television network that broadcasts NCAA tournament basketball games comes at you, then yes. I responded... At, I put a photo or make it a gif of Mickey Mouse doing the Jay-Z dirt off your shoulders gif. Yeah. Saying that's the feeling you feel when you discover True TV is included in your TV package. You know, some dirt off your shoulders. And True TV is apparently the network that has Adam Ruins everything on it. So they have a gif of Adam just nodding and looking at me funny. And they responded with, yes, Josh. When we discovered we had True TV, we also had a feeling as though a giant mouse was unbothered by slights. You might be doing this wrong. Whoa!
1: Wow, that's kind of a um that's <laughs> Wow! <Whoa! laughs> oh my god! Who knew that True TV had people that could burn on Twitter like that? Who knew
3: True could be so real?
4: <laughs> Your time is up, my time is
2: my god! You can't see me. Do me a favor.
3: We never did this yesterday. Can you check what programming actually exists on True TV? I, I like- want to see. I want to see what shows because there was one last night. I think it was a girl, a, a woman trying to become a firefighter that caught my attention. Watching some of these ads, it looked pretty good. It was something I wanted to give a chance. I want to learn about some of the True TV programming because if somebody loses a bet in the future i feel like having to watch and give a recap of a true tv reality show or some of their original programming that seems like a really good punishment.
1: Well they were running like a it was like a 3 hour marathon of impractical jokers this morning. Is that where it comes on impractical jokers?
3: I guess it's like I'm the asking show. you. So we'll learn about that in a second Bob Ryan. In just a bit the drive brought to you in part by our friends at Jason's Deli. What's for dinner? I'll tell you what I'm getting. Going to grab something quick. I live not too far from Jason's Deli on Haynes Mall Boulevard in Winston-Salem. Going to grab myself a sandwich because I've been eating too many wings the last couple of days and uh, might might need a little bit of some carbs and uh, to mix things up a bit. So there, it's pretty easy to grab seven different kinds of meats, ten breads, nine different ways to dress it up, add on cheese or something special like avocado slices, a lot of different options for what you could pick between at Jason's Deli. There's two locations you could visit. I mentioned Haynes Mall Boulevard in Winston-Salem, but Friendly Center in Greensboro. That's one of the hubs for places to visit in the triad. There's a Jason's Deli right there in Friendly Center. Pay them a visit and tell them we sent you. Jason's Deli, a great sponsor of the program. Des, what can you tell me about True TV?
1: Looks like it's mainly Adam Ruins, everything, and Practical Jokers. It's kind of hard to tell right now because of the basketball stuff coming on. It's kind of eating into their regular programming at night. But uh, it looks like it's just like comedy stuff. I thought true TV was supposed to be more like documentaries and like uh, detective shows. No, it was. Things like that. A lot you know? of
3: reality TV shows.
1: Yeah. What, didn't it used to be like court TV or something back in the day? I don't now know for it. sure. But now, yeah, it looks like now it's mainly just stuff like uh, like comedies. Laugh mobs, laugh tracks, and practical jokers.
3: Are you uh, going to stop getting into fights with people on social media? Of course not.
1: Why would I do that? And that wasn't even a fight. That That's nothing compared to like, wait, really? till, wait until we're in here during a political election really? year.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do do a lot of politics. There, that's mainly uh, what you I'm all, like. but the, I But I would qualify it as a fight if it ends with you describing somebody as being someone who gets on his knees to pleasure a player. It ended and that, and that a, conversation, didn't A, a did teenager. It. It. it ended that conversation. Though. Well, no, he responded with something and you just stopped. Finally.
1: I mean, enjoy my life
3: after about 10 or 12 posts down the line i just don't get it
1: that's nothing's tame
3: that's scary <laughs> up next we get bob ryan's thoughts on zion williamson this is the sports hub you're on the drive okay here we
1: go this is the sports hub at am 600 am 920 now back to the drive with josh graham
3: The great Bob Ryan with us from ESPN. I was picking fun at Desmond Johnson, who does a great job producing this show, for getting into fights on social media with people. Bob Ryan's somebody who's excellent on Twitter. But if you come at Bob Ryan, he has no issue firing back at you, as we've learned. I want to get your thoughts on this tweet, since it's... uh, March Madness Thursday, the opening of the NCAA tournament. And we do appreciate you spending time with us. You said, before we start, be it known in the NCAA tournament that true upsets end at the 314. You should never be shocked at anything that happens starting with the 413 matchup. Bob, yeah, that's, your thoughts.
0: It's common sense. Check out the record. Uh, the, the thirteen beating four is not a rare thing. I mean, it's it's not a it's not the norm. I mean, for way, you don't get the majority of them, but it happens often enough that no one should be surprised. That's where the cutoff is for upsets. Now, I'm not talking about odds. I'm not talking about point spreads. I don't give a damn about. I don't gamble. I don't. I have no sympathy for people who whine about losing and gambling. No, it's not about that. It's about commentators saying, "Oh, like today, I've over, it's already out there that Minnesota upset." Uh, who the hell
3: they play you know Michigan Uh, beat Louisville yeah Louisville or no Minnesota
0: beat Louisville because it was a 10-7 that's Crap! It's
3: nonsense,
0: idiocy, it, stupidity. It's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's a waste of a breath. No, there's no upsets uh, after starting at 413. thirteen. Now that's relative. Every year the the uh, the number of teams, uh, quality teams, are different. Uh, matchups, of course, are, as you very well know, Josh. Matchups are the key uh, in in the tournament. Not not seeding. It's 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 if you're lucky enough as a lower seed to get a team that you match up well against. Uh, then you got you can beat them, and and that's been proven
4: continually in this
3: tournament. What do you weigh into higher value when it when you look at the number one overall seed, Duke? The fact oh, that I they don't have worry
0: about that at all. Well, I don't worry. see, I think the biggest you know it is something for you to talk about, and me when I do shows uh, to talk about it's something it's a, it, it's something to write about. One versus two, uh, and and it's it's so stupid. It's just because it doesn't matter. Right. If you're a 1 or a 2, you're going to play a 15, a 16, or a 15. There's no difference there at all. And then uh, ultimately, if all things break uh, out the way, you know, the chalk says, you play each other in the regional final, it, it, it doesn't matter. The, what does matter, I mean, I remember, you know, isn't it kind of funny, by the way, Michigan State did all the whining because they beat Michigan three times and they wound up in the, in the same uh, draw with, with Duke. Uh, you see what's going on right now? Let's hope they get to play Duke. So uh, it's stupid. It's another wasted breath uh, on this tournament. As about worrying about one and two.
3: The overall seats, I agree with you. If you're a one or a two, I don't think there's that much difference. But with Duke, as far as they can go... What do you hold to be more important as to what their ceiling is? The fact that well, they
0: have... Is, uh, I, I, what I love about the Duke situation is that we know how good they can be. We've seen them at, uh, when they max out. Uh, in any circumstance like this, you say to yourself, if everyone were to play their A game, who's the best team? I think most people would agree it's Duke. But that A game includes making some shots. And, and making sure that some zebra doesn't toot, you know, you know who out of the game, or which can always happen. And, and uh, uh, they, they are vulnerable because they don't have, they're not a great outside shooting team. And if, uh, let's say, Jones got in foul trouble, they need him. Uh, they need those guys. They're not perfect. They're, they're awesomely talented, and when it's all going their way, they're the most dominant team in college basketball. But it doesn't always go their way. They have lost. They've lost even with him. And so uh, they're they're not, to me, a prohibitive favorite. They should be the logical favorite. I have them winning, by the way. Okay? I have them winning. But uh, uh, I won't be stunned if if they go out and shoot 28% some night from three and get beat.
3: It's just fascinating to me because they do have the transcendent talent. But you mentioned the outside shooting. I don't even think it's just that. It's the fact that, unlike the 2015 team, there's no senior or junior leadership Mm -hmm. on this team. And... They're not just a team that isn't great shooting threes. They're bad, objectively bad. They're in the 340 range when it comes to three-point shooting out of 353, and they're not a good free-throw shooting team either. That combination of three things, Bob, where you have free-throw shooting, not great, three-point shooting, bad, and you don't have senior leadership, I don't know how many teams in the history of this tournament have been able to pull it off. With those three no, things going many. against not them,
0: not many. No, that you make very, very good points, and and uh, uh, that's, so I, I, I don't think you know who's. They're the number one overall seed, fine, but but uh, I think there's a half a dozen, six, seven teams that we all know who they are uh, among the top among the the, the, the eight top seeds. Uh, I, I could safely say that any of them would not stun me if any of them win. Uh, they all have enough capability of winning the six games in a row that you need to win. I don't think it goes far beyond that. But that said, what, is history, what has history taught us in the last 20 years? Well, starting in '06, it's taught us that, that a, a real outlier can get to the Final Four, starting with George Mason and running through VCU, and maybe uh, I won't call Wichita State because the year they got there, they were very, very good that year. but uh, uh, Or even a team like Syracuse that came out of nowhere that year. Uh, you can get to the Final Four, but, but you don't, you're not going to win. You're not going to win those last two, but you can get there. That, we do know that.
3: Bob Ryan with us from ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at GlobeBobRyan. See, I, I realized this when you were hanging out in the triad uh, a month or two ago. You were in High Point and you were in our studio that a lot of people pin you as being a, an NBA guy. But you said that you are a huge college basketball fan, that you've always been a college basketball fan. So I wonder where does today rank, today and tomorrow, among important days in the sports calendar for you?
0: Uh, this all this whole month is my favorite month, and it 's not just today and tomorrow. It all started for me last Sunday when I watched Gardner web game uh, I watched uh, and then uh, the, uh, when I watched wall to Wall basketball on, uh, on, uh, uh, on last Saturday you know uh, from uh, starting with the um, America East Conference championship at uh, at, um, uh, at eleven o 'clock eastern all the way through i didn 't watch the final game at midnight, but I watched straight through from eleven o 'clock till ten thirty uh, I love this time kind of year and i and i uh, uh, but I, I I like this time kind of year more than I do even the final four because it seems the longer this tournament runs, the more you realize that the most fun is in the beginning it gets it gets actually less interesting as it goes on uh, this is this is the best weekend by far uh, not by far this is the best weekend next weekend is terrific, and then by the time I get to the final four it 's a whole other feel it's, not, it's not, and it 's not it 's a different thing it 's a great thing but it 's this is the fun. This is what the tournament's about to me. This is what, and the thing about the tournament, I think we've talked about this, you know, it, it, it's just so many things in here for everybody. There's three levels of the tournament. I equate it to the Boston Marathon. Uh, you have the, 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 the just happy to get in crowd, which means anybody who just wants to finish the marathon. Then you have the, the, uh, the people for whom getting to a regional would be a a seminal, it'd be a great thing, be a great year. I call that uh, having running your best personal record, your best PR. And then there's the elite runners that go off first, the the, the select few who actually have a chance to win the tournament. And and, and that's the you know, the, and then they if they get to the final four, that's their seasons too. So um, it's, it, it has so many things in it for so many
3: different people. Do you find it interesting that this tournament is what we view to be the measuring point? of success the fact that you have to win six basketball games in a row and three different venues capped by playing in a massive football stadium that these guys have never played in before and somehow that is the metric to determine what coach is better than the other which program's better than the other I mean if if the eight seed beat the one seed in the first game of the first round of the NBA playoffs and that somehow eliminated Golden State We'd be shrugging, saying, "Why are we doing this?" But in college basketball, we seem to accept it. It's okay to love March Madness, but it seems like it's not a great measure in figuring out who the best team is.
0: Um, and no, the, the, we've seen examples back in the '80s. You know, you know, North Carolina State was not the best team, but they they had a a, an amazing set of circumstances and 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 they won in 83. Uh we've had a couple other occasions. I don't Villanova was certainly not the best team in 1985, but they were the best game team that night. They needed to win and they and even yeah, they lost it by 30 points in the tournament or or very late in the year at the Pitt, I remember, and and uh, they were a six seed as I recall that year. And, uh, and you know, they, so it's happened, although I'm going back three decades now, um, where we we can find some teams to, to support
3: you. UConn, UConn was uh, a seven seed when they won a couple years ago.
0: Okay. Yeah, so um, they, that's fine. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not sure what, uh, I, I how to answer this. I see the point you're, you're driving at. It's funny you mention this because I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to do a, a nice PR uh, pub for my podcast with Mike Lupica and Mitch Albom. But we oh. talked about uh, the, the oligarchy that rules college basketball and, and, and what it takes to be to, you know, the, the elite coaches and how this, you know, the, the dominant coaches of the last, let's say, 20 years. And um, in some cases, winning one puts you in the club. And after that, you know, is a great example. He it's been going to be 19 years since they won. But he's been back five times, I believe, and uh, might get back again this year. And uh, there's no, nobody's going to argue he's not a great coach. Uh, winning one will get you there, and then everything you do after that is gravy. There's no doubt about it. But, but um, uh, I, 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 it's, it's, it's inevitable you're going to judge people to some degree, but at least getting there often enough and getting to a regional, getting to a, you know, is enough. I mean, um, I, I think it's... Um, I think that's clear.
3: From your trained eye, somebody I call one of the foremost authorities on basketball. We've had a chance to see Zion Williamson up close in person all year long. We were at the ACC tournament last week where he was incredible, breaking all sorts of records that dated back to the 60s and 70s for scoring marks. Um, From your trained eye, what impresses you the most about what Zion's been able to accomplish now that we've seen an entire Regular season now going into the NCAA tournament for him.
0: The uh, breadth of skill, the the range of skill, the the everyone. You start with the fact that he's a physical freak. Unlike we, that really, the game has never seen six feet seven, two hundred 46 inch vertical leap. That that's not a combination that we're used to dealing with. Okay, so you, he's got that, but but he's so much more than that. Consider this: the block of the year and the pass of the year, he made both of them. That block against Virginia is the block of the year. That's the highlight block of the year uh, in the corner. And then that 40-foot bounce pass on the fast break, which was reminiscent of the, of the Ernie D. pass in the mm. 73 or the, or the or passes that Bird would make or Magic would make. And, and they're all coming out of the same guy who then goes out and goes 13 for 13 after sitting out five games and, and, and can bowl his way to the rim anywhere the time he wants most of the time. And he can also step out and hit a three. I mean, and He has a feel for the game. And then on top of all this, he, he exudes he, he, he exudes uh, excitement exuberance. He's he li- he's, he loves playing and and um, so what what is there not to like you know unless you happen to be the opponent facing him that night.
3: I was at I was courtside for the Clemson dunk. He stole the basketball, did the reverse, and slammed it with one hand. And then the mm-hmm. North Carolina dunk. Him coming in from the right uh, the right baseline and slamming one with the right hand windmill style. What those are two of the best dunks i've ever seen in person what sticks out to you as the best in game dunk you've probably ever seen
0: uh, oh boy i don't know I'm not aficionado you know of dunks i mean to me uh it's just I, I, I just don't get. Uh, you know, I don't care about the dunk contest anymore. I think uh, it ended when, for me, when Spud Webb won the dunk contest in the NBA. That meant they should have just canceled the dunk contest. <laughs> Why do I care that Dwight Howard is seven feet tall can dunk? You know, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, in a game, I, I, I mean, there's some famous dunks. Uh, uh, the, John Starks had one in the NBA uh, in, the, in the NBA uh, Finals. A uh, tremendous left hand dunk in traffic uh, down the baseline. I, I'm, in, I'm more impressed with. Smaller people, you know, pulling off great stuff. than yeah. I am anybody over six seven. In fact, I would say this: in the NBA, there should be a six six height limit for the dunk contest, and uh, <laughs> that, that then that might, might be more interesting. Can we make it but, six no, seven I, I for I Zion so
3: Zion can get in if it's six seven?
0: Well, I'm sorry. If he's six seven. Maybe if they make, I'll tell you what. In this case, if they make him play uh, in socks, if, with no, no sneakers, and then that would be a, like a, a good handicap, like a you know a, that, that'd be that'd be fair.
3: Well, as we learned the first time, North Carolina played Duke. He might end up in socks anyway, with We're the bare, way he blows through. Yeah, yeah
0: you're right. I knew mean, that's how I I hadn't thought about that when I said that. But yes, he's. Yeah, but make him play barefoot. You know, that would be a, maybe you know level the playing field a little bit.
3: Bob, you're the best in the business, man. I look forward to seeing you sometime soon. Thanks for doing this. Very good. Okay, take care. You got it. That's Bob Ryan. At Globe Bob Ryan on Twitter. What, what is going on? What is going
1: on? Talk. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the, the Sports, Sports Hub. Hub at AM six hundred, AM nine twenty.
0: a video game
3: that these kids played when they were really kids. That was really cool. It was the storm surge a couple nights ago after the Hurricanes beat the Penguins. The lights came back on. Michael Furland and Justin Falk. Both had their sticks up as if they were guns shooting down the ducks from the old video game. And then all the Hurricanes players threw their gloves out on the ice as if they were the ducks that were just shot out of the sky. The voice you heard there from Fox Sports Carolinas is the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, John Forsland, who is at PNC Arena ahead of the Hurricanes and Lightning tonight. Johnny, did you play much Duck Hunt as a kid?
4: no you're you're speaking to a um fifty seven year old guy who remembers pong okay the original video game with the two um <laughs> the two lines and the dot going back and forth and uh and that was the end of my video career so no aside from watching people play pac man and in, in bars and so on when I was in college that's about it now i I missed that my generation or at least this segment of that generation missed it.
3: Uh, who deserves the bulk of the credit for this change of culture we're seeing with the Hurricanes? Because John, oh, you know, uh, it's, it's, that's a great question, it's Josh. Because it's, it's a uh, lot of change know, just, of leadership. There's a lot of different moving parts, and it's just been a year since they've been in place, and we're talking about a playoff team right now.
4: Yeah, and and you know, in terms of changing the culture and uh, addressing at least that aspect of it, you know, Justin Williams deserves full credit for coming up with a different way to salute the crowd after the game in very beginning of the season. So the first home win was the third game of the regular season. It was a Sunday night here against the New York Rangers in October. And instead of going into the circular formation at center ice, raising their sticks and saluting the crowd, which most teams do, uh, they, they lined up on the blue line and raised their sticks and did the, uh, dropped their sticks rather and did the skull clap and then sprinted, you know, three-quarters of the ice and did a Lambeau leap into the glass. And and I remember that night, and this past weekend I went back to look at it because I was curious as to, A, what they did when it started and what we said about it when it started. And basically what I said when I was narrating the whole thing was that this kind of is them. This is what they're going to be all about, and we could have a a special story this year, a special group. Now, I you know, I never would have thought we'd get to the – you know, proportions that we have with these celebrations, and the Vander Holyfield will actually be, A, at a game, and be part of a post-game knockout situation with Jordan Martinook. but it's happened. We've had a walk-off home run. We've had the duck-duck-goose game. We've had the limbo dance. We had, as you point out, dunk, duck hunt the other night. And uh, who knows what happens tonight if they win this one. But it's just basically a, a team that's been able to embrace each other, have fun with it, be different. And then win hockey games. And all of that's been rolled up in a one. And Williams deserves a lot of credit because not only is he orchestrating that, in the front half of the season when they were struggling, he said all the right things. He was very opinionated about the team and how they were playing. And then in the second half of the season, he has scored so many impactful goals and has been part of impactful moments, which has led the team to where they're at right now to control their destiny to try and get to the playoffs for the first time since 2009.
3: But And then the you mentioned at the end there a lot of the hockey aspect of this. We're talking about an organization that hasn't been to the playoffs, as you mentioned, since 2009, and now has a new head coach, someone who hasn't been a head coach yet, even though he was an assistant for many years with the Hurricanes. We have a new owner, new leadership team as well, and then the captain, Justin Williams, who, as you mentioned, has changed a lot of the culture and how things have been fun in that locker room and the post-game celebration, the storm surge, and all – it, are you surprised it's happened this quickly that they're able to change things, change the entire mood of things in a place that hasn't experienced postseason hockey in so long?
4: Well, if you, if you recall maybe a couple of the conversations you and I have had in the, in the offseason last summer, you know, coming into the year, one thing I was very excited about was the hiring of Rod Brindamore. I really thought that if there was anybody that could actually get this thing off the mark, he would be the guy to do it. Only because I saw him transform an organization as a player, as a captain. Um, Ronnie Francis laid the groundwork in the early 2000s for, you know, the Hurricanes, you know, getting some credibility and relevance and obviously reaching the final in '02. 2 But it was Rod that I always feel is the most significant player in franchise history because he was the one finally became a captain for the first time he was able to spread his wings and put his stamp on that team and it became a championship team and he was always a relatable guy he was always relatable to the stars he was relatable to the fourth liners the extra players minor leaguers who would be called up you know there it wasn't a cast system with him and because of that i thought you know this guy with his intelligence, which I think is underrated because a lot of people see the tough, rough exterior of this guy and don't realize you know, how intuitive he is, and he really is, and how much work he put in as an assistant coach for seven years to get here. You put all that in a bin, and I thought he would be the one guy that would raise his hand and say, let me do it in this market. Let me be the guy to lead the team. Now, I felt they would be a bubble team. I thought they'd be hovering around the playoff line. But after the start, and certainly the month of December where they won only three games, everybody had their doubts. But since New Year's Eve, this team has been elite, and this team has been in the upper echelon of the entire National Hockey League. Now tonight, they'll play the best team that we've seen in years. This is an historic Tampa Bay Lightning franchise who's, gonna, who's clinched the President's Trophy as the, the league's uh, best overall record group, and they're, they're going to you know hit records by the end of the season, wins and losses and all kinds of things, but the Canes have been right there, and so this whole thing has been a perfect storm, fun to watch, but I think Rod has done a remarkable job um, laying the groundwork and demanding effort and demanding a certain standard of play every night, and I think you could probably point to one game the entire season where the effort wasn't correct, even You know, it's always been there, and that's all he's asked. And now those efforts that were getting stymied for whatever reason in the first half of the season, everything's falling into place now. And they have a terrific team chemistry. So this will be interesting. I, I think they'll make it, and I think when they get in – they'll play without pressure and that's going to be a, a great situation to be in but let's make the playoffs first and see where it goes
3: John Forsland, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes with us from Fox Sports Carolinas he was on the call Tuesday night for the Hurricanes and Penguins last night he had the lightning in the Capitals and he's back at it again with the lightning and the Hurricanes that again starts at seven o'clock tonight at PNC Arena do you have a favorite among the storm surges
4: no I don't I, re- I really don't I think uh, um The best one, if I had to rank it, was, uh, the Holyfield. I mean, there's no question about that. (laughs) Um, but, but I really, I really don't because, um, they're all great because they celebrate wins and they celebrate the connection with the fans again. You know, this is, this has become so apathetic here in this market. We lost a lot of people. It's a transient market, as you know. People come and go and move in and move out. And when you go a decade without any playoff relevance, it's hard and the crowds dry up. People don't pay attention. They get on other things after March madness and they're not paying attention to anything really the hurricanes have been doing. But in the last four years, they drafted well, uh, made some key trades this season. Uh, As you pointed out, the culture has been adjusted and now they're in a position to uh, take off. And because of that, the surges have become a reason to stay in the seats. The fans have bought into it wholeheartedly The bunch of jerks uh, trademark now that uh, Don Cherry, the great analyst up in Canada, Hockey Night in Canada, you know, from his perch in Toronto, decided to call the celebrations uh, bogus and the team a bunch of jerks for doing it. And and he did the team a huge favor because when he said that, it took off. And they grabbed, the marketing grabbed the bunch of jerks quote that he used, put it on a T-shirt. It's a rallying cry for the fans. It's an us against them type thing. Non-tradition against tradition. It's always worked here, and, and he, but you have to have a good team, and you have to celebrate wins. That's how you get to the surge. So for me, it's about the wins that precede the surge, and the surge is just the icing on the cake.
3: I'm glad you bring up the apathy part of it, though, how things can get apathetic after so many years of not making the postseason. I was talking to a Capitals fan at this time last year, and remember, they didn't win the Stanley Cup until the end of last season, and the discussion yeah. we had was, what would you rather have, a Stanley Cup, but then... 12 of the next 13 years, you don't make the postseason? Or would you rather be competitive for 10 years, be one of the top teams in the league, but not win at the end of the season? And part of me would say the latter of the two, because at least then you have something to care about. The honeymoon stage of a championship is how long? Two or three years after that? I mean, I don't know what it is, but it seemed like to me that it's been just far too long, even with the Hurricanes winning a title, them not making the postseason?
4: Well, I'd rather be the San Jose Sharks than the Carolina Hurricanes. And the San Jose Sharks have been the epitome of being a gold standard regular season team, been to the final, uh, been to the conference final, uh, always knocking on the door. They've won the President's Trophy. This is over 15 years. They've never won the Stanley Cup. But their building's full. There's always, we'll get them next year type of a mentality that runs through the fan base. That's healthy. And they've done an excellent job of still drafting quality players, even when they've been an upper-tier team. Uh, this this here is not the way to go. I, I worked for a guy way back when in the minor leagues, this, of course, being in, in minor league hockey, but his credo was he wanted a bang-out regular season where you sell out the building the majority of the time, and then he wanted a sweep in the playoffs. And he wanted that every year because in a sweep out. So it was just two dates. He got his extra two dates, no extra expense in the playoffs, no championship run where you got to buy extra things and rings and everything else. And he felt that was the perfect business profile. Now, that doesn't work in the major leagues because you you have to win. And you have to give your, your fans who are paying top dollar to see your product the opportunity to experience a huge playoff run. But if you do what the Sharks have done over the years, they have that and they'll renew their tickets, or they'll renew their sponsorships. But there's been a lot of challenges in this market because of what's happened on the ice, and uh, there's still a lot of repair work to be done. But this team's going to help that. This team's going to put it in a great position by the end of the year and going into this offseason.
3: Rapid fire, John, before we let you go. For a storm surge idea, is it safe to potentially do a dirty dancing uh, uh, impression or do a reenactment of the end, Patrick Swayze lifting baby up in the air.
4: Oh, I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, um because I don't know if they'll do it here, but that song, but uh the time, time of, of my, my life, life yeah. right? Yeah, that song was our song in the nineteen ninety season in the American Hockey League. Uh we played it on the bus after every win. Oh. And Jimmy Roberts, late Jimmy Roberts, great Stanley Cup champion of the Montreal Canadiens I was the head coach, I was the uh, radio guy, and uh, we would get up and dance. We would put the cassette in, and the players would scream and yell and tell us to sit down, and we had fun with it, and we did it all the way to the final. So that song has some karma. I don't know if uh, they'll do that here, um, but I understand that tonight, and I have no idea, trust me, I don't want to know, because I want to be surprised like the fans. That's my, my way of doing it on television, but I hear tonight is a doozy. That includes some kind of prop. Ooh. So if they, uh, if they beat Tampa Bay tonight, I think they have a real beauty planned. But we'll just have to see.
3: Did you fill out a bracket?
4: No, I don't do it. Okay. No, I, I, uh, I, I just uh, I, I didn't have time because of my schedule. People were asking me to do it, and I, I, I just didn't get a chance to do it.
3: And that's, no. that's fine. Before I let you go, though, you're a big baseball fan. Did you have any issue with the massive baseball contracts handed to Machado, Harper, or Mike Trout?
4: Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know what's going on. I just, I, we've talked before about this. There's, there's a built-in collusion going on with owners. Uh, and then you get to this and then you've got these guys who can never, ever, no matter what they do, maybe, I mean, Trout's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. Machado, I'm not sure. I know he's an excellent player, but I don't, I don't, I don't hold him in the same regard as Trout. No. Harper's an excellent player. Um, but they'll never live up to that. I don't think those players will ever live up to that. How can you live up to that money? I'm not saying that you have to cap it. I'm just saying there's, there's something wrong um, with the system in Major League Baseball. But uh, good for them.
3: Johnny, have a great call tonight. Thank you so okay. much for doing this.
4: All right, Josh. Anytime. You Take care. It.
3: That's John Forslund, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, from Fox Sports Carolina's... You've got to be kidding me.
1: Have you heard of Ja Morant before, Josh? Vaguely. Well, his Murray State Racers are up at the half, 42 to 35. The 12 seed racers trying to move on to the round of 32. Currently leading Marquette, the fifth seed
3: at the half. Back to you, Josh. Des, what do you got in our ticket to the house story?
1: A hey, uh A cult classic from the 80s is finally getting a much-needed sequel, and you'll never guess what it is.
3: We take it to the house next.